0: Morning, welcome to Village Church. Cross the Sites, uh, if you're watching online. uh, My name's Ken, I'm one of the pastors at Village Church, uh, pastor of discipleship and leadership development. We're gonna pick up right where Pastor Mark left off in the series in Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. Am um, I going to start reading verse 21? And uh, if you if you missed that sermon, you you want to catch it. Great sermon. Um, if if you uh, did catch that sermon, I just want you to know right off the top, no animals were killed during the preparation of this sermon, or even hurt. And uh, so if you didn't catch the message, now you're going to want to listen to that for sure. Before I dive into the text, I've got a couple of questions. First question, particularly to those of you who are age 22 to 30, maybe even a little up to 35. How many of you would like to be entrusted by God with huge sums of money? Right. Okay, how many of you that are older than 35? How many of you would, really, think about it. How many of you would like to be entrusted by God with huge sums of money? Now, Now answer this question, why? Why would you like God to give you large chunks of money? Last question on that theme. How many of you, particularly in the age 22 to 35, would love an opportunity to prove that, given large chunks of money? Great. After the service, I'd like you to come up and take this $250, and you'll have an opportunity to prove it. All right, Matthew chapter 19, verse 21 21 to 22. What what was happening in this this sermon, or right before the sermon, a rich man comes up to Jesus and says, what do I got to do to get eternal life? Jesus says, keep all the commandments. The guy goes through them, done. What is still missing? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And the disciples, whoa, sucks to be called out by Jesus. And Jesus, I think, or I can picture him noticing a teachable moment, and so he continues. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, which means you can take this one to the bank, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So I got five questions that I wanna ask and attempt to answer this morning. Number one would be, why were the disciples so surprised? Why were they astonished? Secondly, who is Jesus talking to and about in this passage? What's he saying? And also, why is it so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, why? And lastly, How does God want us to respond? How does God want me to respond this morning? So the first question, why were the disciples so astonished? Because Jesus just upended their subliminal and our subliminal belief that reward and prosperity are signs of God's blessing. That linked to reward and God's approval is the concept of more. More reward, more blessing, not less. More salary, more perks, more opportunity, more vacation, a larger size office, more comfort. We actually believe, because we live in North America, we believe that that's a sign of God's blessing. I mean, just imagine the, the, the opposite. Can you imagine Mark coming into my office and saying, Ken, you're doing such a great job in discipleship. Me and the elders got together, and we would like to decrease your salary. We're going to give you a smaller office. We want to take back that iPad Pro, and we're going to lift some of your responsibilities. We're going to take back your keys, and we'd like you not to show up at any weekend services anymore. And by the way, you're losing one week of vacation. You're killing it, bro. Keep up the good work. How would I respond, sicko? Sicko. <laughs> I mean, that's a little hard to take from a guy that kills his daughters, birds, and fish and chickens for sermon illustrations. <laughs> I mean, why? Because why would why would I think that's bizarre? Because we link blessing with prosperity, with more. We link the concept of more. The problem is that is not how God or Jesus views reward or promotion. Think think about his, look at his most trusted servants, the disciples, most of them are on their way to a martyr's death. They are not getting a corner office in a penthouse suite. They are gonna be getting, within the next 10 years, they're gonna be getting death row. And I'm not saying that God never rewards and never promotes by giving us more. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that money is never a key factor or a key motivator or or a, or a key sign or an indicator of God's approval or blessing. You know what I think it is? It's His presence. It's Him. It's the invitation to live a life with meaning. It's the invitation to, to live a life with no guilt, to experience this love. Imagine no guilt, no shame, and actually live your life that way. It's the presence, the power, the communication with the Holy Spirit. It's spiritual authority in, in, when we pray. It's not money. Money is merely a commodity in the natural realm. It actually says on any dollar bill or, or $50 bill, it says, this note is legal tender. That's all money is. The reward that Jesus offers, now we kind of know this, but we don't know it. We know it here, but we don't know it here, because we keep seeking the other. And if you're a skeptic, if you're unchurched, if you're de-churched or rechurched or whatever term, but you don't know Jesus personally, I just want you to imagine for a minute, living a life with no guilt, no shame, with hope and meaning. And even if you screw up, you still have intrinsic value. That's what the gospel offers. What are you going to trade for that? A new car? Relationships? You know, I was talking to Zach, who's one of our children's workers here at Village Church, and I was just asking him to share his story with, with how and why he became a Christian, and, and he grew up in a, in a home that didn't go to church, and he talked about he went to these new life uh, meetings in high school, and they talked about relationship, that God actually designed us for relationship, and, and that every human relationship is never going to satisfy that God actually designed us for a relationship with him. And Zach thought to himself, that's what I want. That's what I want more than any of these other relationships. And he was captain of the football team. He was popular, good-looking, all that kind of stuff. He says, that's what I want more than anything else, and that's what Jesus Christ offers us. The disciples were astonished. Why are we not astonished when we hear that passage? Familiarity, we've heard the story a bunch of times. We're not sure who he's talking to. Maybe we're not sure what he's saying. So let's settle the who is Jesus talking to. About eight years ago, my wife and I, we sat on the 104 degrees tarmac of, in, in San Salvador, El Salvador. And we were waiting for our flight to take off and bring us back to Canada. We'd been on an exposure trip with Compassion International And with a number of pastors from some of the uh, larger churches in Canada and some Christian musicians and a few Christian celebrities, and we'd been exposed to the mud huts, about the size of a garden shed, literally, where entire families lived and ate and slept. The wealthy among them had tin or metal roofs, which meant they were dry in the rainy season. That's what we were exposed to. It was my first exposure to real poverty. And uh, one day near the end, we made an unchartered stop in our air-conditioned luxury coach in an area where some children were playing. And uh, one team went this way, one team went this way. The, the team that went this way, they actually met a 15-year-old El Salva, uh, San Salvadoran boy who could sing extremely well. He could sing extremely well, so much so that when all the other children were playing, they noticed this boy singing. And one of the professional musicians, if you're a musician, you'd actually know him, he actually he came back to the bus and he brought out his travel guitar, which is a $2,500 Gibson. It's not his tour guitar, not the real expensive one. He brings out his travel guitar and this boy, 15 years old, had never actually touched a guitar, but within 15 minutes was playing it and playing it well. And one of the things we realized is that young boy Possibly had more talent than any Christian musician, professional musician on the bus. More more talent than possibly any of the musicians we have at Village Church, with the exception of Pastor Eric, of course. But it's possible that that young boy had more talent than any of the professional musicians, and yet he would never be known, he would never perform, he might never even own his own guitar. And I sat on the tarmac, and I realized the big difference between that 15-year-old boy and the rest of us on the plane was that we had either Canadian or American passports. We were the rich. He wasn't. And that is when I learned experientially that I am the rich. And that every passage of scripture where Jesus refers to the rich, he is referring directly to me. I have a Canadian passport. I've got change in my pocket. I've got a home without leaks. And I've got a lock on my door to protect me. And I've got enough money to buy groceries for next week. You and I bathe in drinking water. We are the rich and there's no way I or we can lift ourselves of that responsibility and one of the privileges of living in North America. You know who this story has absolutely no challenge for? The poor. It is challenge for you and I. So now that we know where we fit in this, this, this story, Jesus' words become personal. So what actually is Jesus saying in all this? He's saying, it is only with difficulty. He's talking to the rich. He's not saying we're no good. He says, it's only with difficulty that you will enter the kingdom of heaven. The the, the word is actually, the original word is actually stronger than our English colloquialism, and it doesn't mean difficulty in the sense of technical difficulty. It means difficulty with regards to the painfulness of the process. It means it's only with pain will the rich enter the kingdom of heaven. The rich young ruler, the rich young man from last week's sermon, he was unwilling to feel the pain of losing and releasing control of his wealth and his possessions. And so he went away sad. He went away back to his church. He went away back to his synagogue. Without entering the kingdom of heaven, you know Jesus. I can picture Jesus then seeing the disciples with their stunned look, and they're they're trying to figure out, Wow, the rich. It's going to be difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, do we all have to give up everything we had? Zacchaeus only had to give up half. Uh, You know, what's the formula? Well, we gave up our boats. Is that enough? Do we qualify? And they were trying to figure out the formula of how much do wealthy people have to give up? How much surrender? Exactly what you and I do. How much do we have to give? You know, how much do we have to bring God into our finances? How much? We're trying to figure out the formula. And it's like Jesus said, stop, you're missing the point. It's not only difficult. This is verse 24. It's not only difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's impossible. It is actually impossible. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And for years, Christian scholars and pastors have been trying to civilize Jesus' declaration. Surely he couldn't really mean a camel going through the eye of a needle. That's impossible. Here's the most creative of their attempts. They were saying, there's scholars that say, and you can still find this in commentaries, they will say that what Jesus was actually referring to was a very narrow and low gate in Jerusalem called the Needle Gate, that the only way you could get a camel through it would be to strip the camel of all its cargo, all of its burdens, and it would have to go through the gate in a hunched and humbled position. That makes for great preaching. The only problem is there is no evidence anywhere archeologically or historically in literature that such a gate ever existed. Jesus was using an Israel colloquialism, a, a common phrase that meant impossible. The camel was the largest animal in Israel at the time. That's why he picked the camel. If he was speaking in Egypt, he would have picked an elephant. If he was speaking to you and I today, he went and said, it is easier, get this, it is easier for a Hummer four by four, the largest of domestic vehicles. It's easier for a Hummer to fit in the back seat of a Volkswagen Beetle than it is for you and I to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's not expecting us to think, whoa, I wonder if Jesus is talking about the 164 scale Matchbox Hot Wheels Hummer fitting in the back seat of my Volkswagen Bug. Nor is he thinking that we're going to be researching is there some mentally unstable mechanic somewhere in Germany who actually built a Volkswagen with a back seat 15 by 20 that you could actually fit the smallest of Hummers in. He is using an exaggeration. It's humor, it's funny, it's bizarre. That's the point. It's impossible. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean for those of us who have changed in our pockets? Running water at home, more than one change of clothes? And actually, one you know of the beauties of this passage? It puts the longtime believer, longtime church person, the brand-new Christian and the skeptic all on equal playing ground. It means that it's impossible for you and I, by a mere act of our own volition, to override the selfishness in our hearts our thirst for independence, our fears and insecurities, enough to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ to the extent that he is asking us this morning and every morning we open the Word of God. Because Jesus asks us for full surrender. And that's tough. Entering the kingdom of heaven requires a miracle. Remaining in the kingdom of heaven requires a miracle. And the beauty of the gospel is it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know, I find great relief and great trepidation in what I'm saying right now. I find great relief because I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy that finds it easy or even possible to fully surrender my life. Even as I was preparing this late last night or going over it, I was thinking, I'm not that guy, I can't do that. I might have been the rich young ruler. And I realized though that it is possible, the power and the beauty of the gospel is that God only needs a crack. It is possible for you and I to actually ask God to create in me a heart that would be willing to invite him to be Lord and leader of my life to that degree, he only needs a crack. And and, and if we're not who we want, you know, take it away from money and stuff, if purity's is the issue and you're struggling, you're not that guy or that gal that can be pure, It is you can actually ask God to create in that heart for you to be pure. If you're not faithful, you can actually ask God to create in you that heart to be faithful, to be honest, to be loving and kind. If you know you're not that guy, that's the beauty of the gospel. That, that, that I find great relief in that. I can ask God to make, give me an undivided heart. Where I find great trepidation is, if I ask God to actually create that kind of heart in me, he might actually do it, and then I lose control. I'm gonna lose, if God does this, if I ask him and he does this, I'm gonna lose control over my independence, I'm gonna lose control over my retirement, I'm gonna lose control over my vacation, my home reno, I'm going to, I might even have to sell one of my motorcycles. I lose control. Jesus understands it's not easy. It's easier for a Hummer to fit in the back of a VW than for me to surrender my life to that level. But it is possible with God, but it requires our cooperation. Why is it so difficult for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven? I just thinking, why? Why is it so tough? It's actually a simple formula. Money and wealth equals power. Money and wealth equals power to buy things. I can buy my independence. Money and wealth, for most people, gives us a longer life. We live longer in North America. You know why? Because we have money. We have health care. Money and wealth have the power to improve our lives to some degree. For $1,400 American, which is about $2,800 Canadian, (laughs) you can buy a well in a a country and totally change the lives of an entire village for the next 20 years. $1,400 If that Christian musician would have given that 15-year-old boy that guitar, which he didn't, I wonder if he regrets it now, It would have changed his life. We might be seeing him on iTunes. Money and power buy things. Money and power, sorry, money and possession can actually lift and reduce stress and worry. It can also increase it. It all depends, it can. See, money money is neutral. Money is moral neutral. Money is a thing. It can be used for good, it can be used for evil. And it's difficult for the wealthy, it's difficult for you and I to enter the kingdom of God because the kingdom of heaven, which is the reign and rule of Christ, that's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's not church, it's not membership at village, it's the reign and rule of Christ in our lives, in our homes, in our businesses, that's what the kingdom of heaven is. But money deceives us into not actually believing we need God. We've got food, shelter, and we've, got, we've got fire insurance. <laughs> We've, we've got, and, and you can live your life, it's very hard. Here's a question for, those, for, for us. What this week do you actually need God, need God for? This week, the next seven days, in what situation do you actually need God to come through? Do you have to make something up? Here's an application for you, If, if this is tough. If you've got loved ones who are not following Jesus, you actually might need to pray that their lives become worse so they feel their need for God. Because for me, I didn't bow my knee to Jesus Christ until my life was really disastrous. And that's for a lot of people. If you're a skeptic, one of the best things that might happen to you in the next year is that your life begins to fall apart. Your relationships, your business, your wealth, whatever it is, you come to the place where you actually feel the need for God. One of the other reasons it's difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven is because we're unwilling to surrender our independence and comfort. You know what we want? We want both. We want all three. We want both. We, we We want heaven. We want a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We want to feel close to God, and we want to stay in control of how we spend our wealth and our money. You think about it for a minute. If you could have one or the other, if you could only have one or the other, not both, if you could only have one or the other, which would you choose? A vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit or the salary that you currently enjoy? If you could only pick one. If you could only pick one, only one, which would you pick, the house you own or a relationship, a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, a meaningful, purposeful relationship? Which one, if you could only pick one? If you could only pick one, which would you pick, the relationship you're in or a relationship with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, vibrant? your cottage, your retirement, if you could only pick one, retirement or a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you had to work till you were 90 so that you could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's not what you have to do, but if you could only pick one, which would you pick? You see what that reveals? We want it all. And here's the reality. We actually can only have one. I can't have competing loyalties if I want the fullness of Jesus Christ in my life and a full relationship with the Holy Spirit, all the other things become up to God. He might want me to keep him; he might not. It might mean I need to move, it might mean, mean I need to keep working, it might mean all kinds of things. You can only actually have one when it comes to wealth and God. Jesus said, or the Bible, Jesus said, "No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other." You cannot serve God and money and possessions. He's not saying it's a bad idea to try; he says it's impossible. I remember a, um, a Freedom Session director in Hamilton, and he was telling me the story about the day that he decided to give up alcohol for life. He had a problem with that, and he loved alcohol and he loved his wife, so he put a glass of bourbon on his piano and a picture of his wife and he sat there and he realized I can have one I can have either one but not both and he sat there for two hours which one did he want more and he picked his wife he understood you can have one or the other but not both we can't serve both It's difficult to remain, for the wealthy to remain in the kingdom of heaven, that's to get in. It's difficult for us to remain in the kingdom of heaven because wealth is distracting. Even after I surrendered everything, wealth, you know, and the more you have, the harder it is because you got more to lose. There was a day I actually gave everything I owned to Jesus See, I was, I was 19, I'd just become a Christian, just got engaged, and uh, my wife and I were about to save for the future, and I'd been in debt all my life, or at least since I could borrow money. I'd been in debt, and I just came to that place when I was moving from the red into the black, and there was a moment that I had only $50, and it was November. <laughs> I remember that, and I thought, if there's ever a time that, it's, that it's, it's inexpensive for me to give everything to Jesus, this is it, so I gave Jesus 50 bucks. Gave everything I had, I think I missed the point, just like you and I missed the point. It's, it's, it's continual, it's, it's, it's mindset, everything's always on the chopping block. So what does Jesus want us to do? If this is true, and I believe it is, what does Jesus actually want us to do? Ironically, he doesn't say, at least in this passage. In fact, that's what Jesus has been preaching all through the book of Matthew, and it's what we've been preaching for the last 15 years here at Village Church. What does Jesus want us to do? He wants to be Lord of our entire life, that's it. Jesus actually wants to be Lord of our entire life. He wants to be Lord of my money, my wealth, my cars, my houses, my motorcycles, my relationships, my vacations, my retirement, my pain, my future, my dreams, all that kind of stuff. He wants to be Lord of everything. He says, he actually says to those of us who are rich, to Ken, he says, command Ken, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and command Ken not to put his hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but command Ken to put his hope in God who richly provides Ken with everything for his enjoyment. Command Ken and you to be good, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. You don't have to do this to get into the kingdom of heaven. You have to surrender your whole life. But then once you're in, he says, what you have, all the wealth, do something good with it. This is actually where the Christian life is about to become exciting. Just imagine this. You know, and I know we're talking about money right now. That's because the passage is talking about money. But I want you to know that the more money that comes in today or any other Sunday, none of us get an increase in salary. None of our jobs become easier. In fact, they become harder. All, everything that comes in, we've got a movement, a vision. This is where the Christian life actually becomes exciting and you just forget Village Church, it's in your own lives for a minute. It means that actually God wants you to think about everything you've got and begin spending on purpose. Can you just imagine those of you who got lots of money or some money or a little money, if you put it all in the chopping block and began asking God what do you want me to do with this and actually began investing it or spending it in a way that you actually needed God to come through in the next year where you don't actually rely on your wealth because that's, that's the challenge of money. That's why it's hard to remain in the kingdom of God because we can rely on our RSPs, we can rely on our savings accounts, we can rely on our fire insurance, and we can rely on the government, we can rely on our bosses, we can rely on our own abilities. It is hard, easier for a Hummer in the backseat of a VW than for us to remain, but it's possible with God, but it's not easy. So how do we actually do this? Putting ourselves in the picture, three little points. The first one's not rocket science, but I want to mention it. Just face a simple reality. It's not a matter of if you and I are going to be separated from our money and our wealth and the control of it, it's a matter of when. That's it. We are either going to surrender our wealth and control of our wealth, volitionally, of our own accord, God drawing us, or it'll be taken from us when we die. It's just a matter of when. It's fleeting. It's not a big point, but it's important. The second one's a little trickier, and it's to, what I think God would want us to do is settle the ownership issue of the 90%. Now that would be assuming if you are having to give 10% of your money to the Lord, indicating that Jesus is Lord of your finances. Now, if you're giving only 5%, then settle the ownership issue of the 95%. If you're giving 25% of your income to kingdom purposes, then settle the ownership issue of the 75%. And if you're giving nothing to the kingdom, first of all, there's an issue there. Jesus isn't Lord of your entire life. He's certainly not Lord of your finances. But if you're giving nothing, then settle the ownership of the 100%. Who owns it? I wanna go back to the $250 that I'm giving away at the end of the service. You wanna know whose money this is? It's important for you who are gonna get it. It's not mine. It's not costing me a cent. That is money that my wife and I give every month to a charity, a non-village charity. We support Village Church, obviously, and we support some other charities. That's not my money, it's God's money, totally. So the question for you, and and if you would have got the 250 bucks, here's the question. What would you do with that money? Here's another question. How many of you would like not to have that money because now you're responsible for it? It's it's God's money. You know, would you give, if if the 250 was coming to you or if it was 250,000, would you give 10% of it to the Lord? Would you give 5%? Would you give 25%? What would you do with the other 75% or 90%? Whose money is the 90%? It's God's. That makes total sense, doesn't it? It's God's. And you. We're taking the 250. You're totally responsible for that money. I'm no longer responsible for it. That's actually how God wants us to view his money. All of it. And at Village Church, we don't actually believe or promote in tithing. Tithing just means 10%. There's a lot of churches that will say, you know, God requires 10%. We believe that 10% is a great starting point and we also believe that 95% of us can easily give 10% of our income to the Lord with the intent of showing that God is first place in our lives and our finances. That's kind of a starting point. But we also believe that that is the beginning, that the floor and not the ceiling. We're actually hoping that because we can't lift this responsibility off of us as the rich. Everything we own belongs to God. And that's what we believe because that's what Jesus asks. And you know that giving away the $250 the reason why I asked how many would want an opportunity to prove that you'd like to be given large sums of money it's because the Bible says Luke 16:10 if you're faithful with little you'll be faithful with a lot. If you're not faithful with little you won't be faithful with much. So, if you and I are waiting until we have big chunks of change before we begin investing in the kingdom, the truth is we're deceiving ourselves. We won't. We've got some now. The third thing, so the second thing, would be to settle the ownership issue of whose money and whose possessions. And it's not just money; it's also your cottages, your motorcycle, your cars, your house, your 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 whatever you got. Your piano, is this God's? And how you're actually inviting you're inviting God into all your decisions, Lord. Where should we go on vacation? And I'm not trying to be crazy about it. You know, should I order pizza or lasagna? I don't think, you know, God really cares on that. The question is, you know, just inviting God into all of our decisions. What should we invest in? how much should we spend? Where should we go on vacation? Invest in, in memories, not just thrills, that kind of a thing. How much should we share? What's he asking? It's just simple ask the Holy Spirit. And he'll bring those things to our mind. But a lot of times we don't want to. The third thing is we need to change our mindset towards money. In other words, change the way we think and act toward it. Money is morality neutral. It has no, no value either way. It's a tool and that's all it is. It's a note, it's actually, it says it's legal tender. In a sense, money is a bargaining chip. It actually says, this $50 says that so-and-so worked either four hours, if you make 12 bucks an hour, or two hours, if you make 25 bucks an hour, or, or maybe, one, maybe you make 50 bucks an hour. It says that you worked one hour, whatever your salary is, and that's a note that proves that, and you can now exchange this for goods. That's all this is. Money's a tool, not intended to purchase independence, but to forward God plans, God's plans on earth in my life and my relationships. You ever go to the gym on a Friday night? You know, the exercise gym? You know who's there on a Friday night in the gym? People with big muscles. And no social life. <laughs> That's who's there, big muscles. And you see these guys with their big muscles on Friday night in the mirror. And they're looking at this. You know, and you gotta think at some point, what are those muscles for? I mean, they're big. <laughs> what are they for? Are they, you know, are they opening jam jars? You know, the jars that are too tight, big muscles? I can open that. Or if you've got big muscles, are they for something more important? Like carrying wood or carrying people or, or who knows? That's what muscles are for. That's what money is for. It's a tool, nothing more. And the pursuit of it is Foolish. The pursuit of meeting God, what do you want us to do with our life? All of us have something, and this is another where it's beautiful in the kingdom of heaven. We are all on equal playing ground. God's given us all something, and all he asks us to leverage, whatever we've got for his kingdom in the way he leads and guides. Not the way I think you should. The way he leads and guides. We're not under the law. There's no demand, quali- you know, things you've got to do this and this and this. There's no checklist. But if you ask the Holy Spirit, and he begins prompting you, That's what he'd ask you to do. So my big challenge is really just to simply pray about everything. Invite Jesus Christ into all areas of our lives, including our money, including our wealth, including our kitchens. It's not a pet peeve of ours, but it's something that my wife and I really feel strongly about. We wanna bring back the gift of inviting people into our homes. And I don't care if you rent a small one bedroom apartment And we got to sit on the floor if you've got a mansion. Just inviting people in our homes, practicing the gift of hostility, that's leveraging what you got for the kingdom. Leveraging your stories. It's not just about your stories, your your love, your, your wisdom, your advice, your ear. A little note encouraging someone. That's the kingdom. To end this, we've got two ways to end. One is for the believer. Simply... We're gonna pray together and ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of our wealth. And for the skeptic, this might be you. Remember I said it's a miracle for any of us to enter the kingdom of God? Your miracle might be today. And you'll know it because your heart's pounding and you've been hanging around this church or another church for a while and you've been listening to the messages and you're starting to get, that's me, that's what I want. Just like Zach, that's what I want. I want a relationship with God Almighty. Tender in my heart. God's not after your money. He's after your heart, your life, because he loves you and wants to give you the most meaningful, purposeful life on earth and for eternity. That's what God's after. So two prayers. Bow with me. Lord Jesus, you wanted to talk about money today in in your word and our wealth and our possessions and our lives. And we thank you that you had the courage to talk about it. Give us the courage to listen about it. So we come to you humbly, Lord Jesus, realizing it's hard for us to enter the kingdom of heaven and hard for us to remain. But you've given us a lot, and so we ask you right now, Holy Spirit of God, to shine light into our hearts and reveal those areas of our lives that we've not surrendered over to your control. We're afraid. Maybe we grew up with a poverty mentality, just never having enough, and we said, never again will me or my kids suffer. Lord, forgive us for that. We renounce those vows. Lord, we know that there's no condemnation in you, so we're not coming meekly, we're coming boldly. We're simply asking you to show us. Holy Spirit, reveal to us how you want us to leverage our wealth, our homes, our businesses, our cars, our money. How much would you like us to give to support your kingdom work here at Village Church and around the world? What percentage, Lord? We know we're not under law, we're under the Spirit, so we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, to put a number in our minds. What are you asking us to give today? Who are you asking us to invite over for lunch? Who are you asking us to give a hug today? When we go on vacation this year, Lord, would you like us to read a particular book of the Bible? Would you like me to pray with my wife today or my husband? We want all of you lord we want you to be lord of our lives and fill every area of our hearts thank you jesus for being willing to guide us you said if any of you lack wisdom we can ask you who gives generously to all without finding fault and we we accept that promise today thank you jesus for those of you who are skeptics or don't know jesus personally and would like to make that step today it's it's very simple you could pray along in your heart with me Lord Jesus I've been considering what your word has been saying what you've been saying to me I realize that I'm not sure what I've been living for I, I thought the good life was enough but I can see if I ever attain my goals I'll need something more to live for and I can just see the circle the cycle I want a relationship with you, Jesus. I want a relationship with you, God. I want to live free from the condemnation and guilt and the shame, the not good enough that I've lived with. And if you are willing to fill me with your presence, your love, your forgiveness, then I want you. I want you, and I'm willing to surrender my life as best as I know how. I don't even fully know what that will all mean, but here it is. I ask you to forgive me for my failures, for my flaws, for my judgmentalism, for my selfishness, whatever it is. I ask you to forgive me. Wipe my heart clean. And creating me the type of heart that wants to follow after you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to come to know you in a way that's personal and meaningful. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, thank you. Amen.